Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney. And me, Dante Bosco. Each week we'll recap and discuss a new episode. So come join us and our amazing guests from creators to cast to superfans to chat about all things Avatarverse. It's Fire Nation time. Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Braving the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What is up, Star Guys and Star Girls? Welcome to Star Guys, a podcast all about Star Girl on the CW and DC Universe. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. Uh, great. Thanks for uh, coming on board, Pete. Appreciate it. How you doing? What? What do you mean? <laughs> no, nothing. There was just a pause there. You seemed a little distracted. I just uh, was excited to uh, have you on board. He's got stars in his well, eyes. He's a fan of the show. Uh, I guess uh, I'm, you know, freezing up or whatever because uh, it was right on time on my end. So, you know, apologize if my Wi-Fi is shitty. Oh, no, no, no problem at all. Don't even worry about it. Uh, let's jump in and talk about Justice Society of America, the latest episode of Stargirl. Now, good news. The episodes finally synced up. I think they are going to get a little longer and a little shorter as at some point. But this one is exactly the same length as the CW airing. So whether you've watched it on DC Universe or CW, doesn't matter. We're all equal in God's eyes. Whoa, okay, wow. yeah. Right? Wow, this all took right, a yes. turn. This you became a, a born-again yeah. Christian in between our two tapings, right? Yeah, but, you know, dunked myself a lot. That's what you do, right? You dunk yourself? Yeah, you just, uh, if you can do it yeah. on a 10-foot regulation hoop, if you can dunk, <laughs> you can be a born-again Christian. <laughs> you got dunk yourself. Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. You so follow you the ball up through and go, the hoop. You say yes. you don't fake the funk on a nasty dunk. Jesus. Nice. <laughs> and when I looked down and I'd broken the backboard, there was only one uh, set of footprints. All right. Okay. So on this wow. episode of Stargirl, lots of things are starting to come together here, specifically the team, the Justice Society of America, rather the new teen Justice Society of America. Courtney Whitmore, a.k.a. Stargirl, has stolen relics from the Justice Society of America headquarters and given them out to her friends and frenemies and things like that. Basically, anybody who seems like they kind of deserve them. That includes Yolanda Montez, who has taken on the identity of Wildcat. Uh, also, Beth Chappell, who has taken on the identity of Dr. Midnight. And Rick Tyler, who has taken on his father's identity of Our Man. Now, Courtney's stepfather Pat Dugan does not approve of this. He doesn't like this at all despite the fact that he was a sidekick back in the day. He was stripesy. Now he's running around in a big robot suit. But he's the one uh, giving orders and he's pretty pissed off about it. Uh, so that's what's going on with him. Meanwhile, in the background the Injustice Society of America. It, what? What are you nodding your head about, Pete? 
What? That's not. He's not mad. He just doesn't. As is explained in this episode, he doesn't want people to get hurt. He wants people to be aware of what's going on. He wants them to be formed and ready, not just running around willy nilly. You know, jumping into danger with no training and no awareness. I like that there are two shows we're actually reviewing. There's the. Uh, Pete's watching a show called Pat and Mikey, uh, having fun, yep. and we're oh, watching yeah. a show called Star Don't forget Girl. Barb. Of course, <laughs> she's she's sort of a supporting character on the Pat and Mikey show. Yeah, uh, Pat. Yep. This is a great she's the norm. Episode, she's the though. norm of Pat and Mikey. <laughs> she is. Oh Barb. yeah, yeah. When she calls her Barb. Oh, Barb's here. Uh, so the Justice Society of America, the villains who killed the Justice Society of America 10 years ago, have taken up residence in Blue Valley, Nebraska. They have some sort of mysterious plan to fix slash take over America. We're not exactly sure what it is at this point, but they're coming ever closer to their plan. They stole some satellite parts in the last episode, killed a bunch of people in the process. Um, and this episode, we meet up with a bunch more of them. They're all hiding out as... I was about to say dignitaries, but that's wrong. People who are high up in the town of Blue Valley, Blue Valley, either people who are running the American dream or they're teachers at the school um, or they're the principal. Um, they all have places like that and they're hiding out. And pretty quickly, Courtney and her team are finding out who is who. We'll get into a lot more about the episode as we go through it. There's little pot points, but let's jump into it. Let's start talking about it. It begins with. <laughs> let's do uh, it. Yeah, let's have a good time. Um, this is was this Mortal Kombat or what, what? It's the song that sounds like Mortal Kombat, but is not Mortal Kombat. Pete, I'm looking at you. Yeah, that's pure like you expertise. You're our musical oh, um, Mortal Kombat orchestra. Was it you all uh, ready for this? Yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was not a Mortal Kombat. But I, I was like, when this started, this episode started, and it was a straight like football show. I was kind of like, wait, am I watching the right thing? I was a little confused. Um, but yeah, it was a little like jock jams. Y'all ready for this? As I recall, it felt like a nice Friday Night Lights homage here mm -hmm. for a lot of the episode, um, with um, Artemis Croc as sort of the uh, female Riggins. <laughs> Oh, I like it. I like this episode a lot, actually. I thought it was super fun across the board, and it started off with this moment, with the football moment, where it firmly sets it in high school. Because you I love feel football. Like I love football. Huge fan. I don't want to tell you who my favorite team and player are, because I think everybody probably already knows. I don't need to say either of their names out loud. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Either of their names. Would no. <laughs> You mean the team's formal Christian name? <laughs> well, they've been they've been dunked, right? Yeah, they got dunked. You're talking about the Buffalo oh Bills, God. which is a very formal yes, of name, of course. Um, yes. If, well, and your favorite football movie, obviously, Alex, is Bring It On. Mm, that's a very good one. That's about sports as well. Yes. Uh, the uh, my point being that like. This sets up that this is a fun episode. It's a high school set episode. And I feel like a lot of superhero shows, they're like, yeah, yeah, we're set in high school. And then they never go to high school at all. But this episode, at least, was pretty firmly based around the high school and based around what's going on in the high school. And I appreciated that. Yeah, I agree. So and you appreciate. When... I'm sorry. Uh, I just wanted to get this straight. So you appreciate the fact that with no heads up whatsoever, we just jumped into the middle of a football game and all of a sudden we're rooting for this character 
who uh, seemed like a you know an asshole, uh, a horrible sportsman, and then uh, all of a sudden uh, pans over to the crowd where you're like, oh, it's one of those kind of like parents who are too involved with their kids type of scenario. Then turns out it was villain. So you like that is what you're saying. Yeah, because I'm not a baby and I'm able to follow plot. Ooh. Oh, who's a baby? Oh, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, uh, yeah, babies can't follow. What What are you trying to say to me right now? You fucking asshole. I have a I have a baby, and my baby's only good at really strong character motivated choices, and sort of isn't into plot. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, my my kids are mostly into spectacle at this point, and I'm like, you can't sell a show on that alone. Truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, well, I just especially think- in a show where the heroes are unabashedly like kids, um, and like sort of that's maybe the point of the show. The fact that they, we get these scenes that rooted in high school and have the parents be sort of there with a reason makes a lot of sense, and it gives it sort of a nice clean flow. Pete, were you going to say something there, or? Well, you know, I didn't want to get called a baby again for some random reason for disagreeing, because I guess you can't have a discussion about things. You're just going to call people babies if they are a little maybe thrown with a different kind of start to the show that we normally get. Normally with the TV show, you don't get some random other shit, and then you have to try to piece it together as it's happening. Oh, right. Okay, I understand now. Evil villain parents. If you don't want to be called a baby, wipe the spit up out of your beard. And take uh, and get out of your onesie and put on some big. But I don't wanna. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, he needs to be. Uh, I did appreciate that in this first seat here, we have the football game, and then we have the classic uh, dude who is great at football takes off his helmet and whoa, it's a girl. Can you believe it? Moment. Uh, That was weirdly um, uh, anachronistic, but. I did like Artemis Croc. We've seen her kind of in the background a little bit. She is, as we find out later, the daughter of Sportsmaster and Tigress, two of the members in the Injustice Society. Um, and I like the fact that we're getting these kids who are being set up as a new Justice Society, but we also seem to be getting a young Injustice Society as well. We see Cameron, who is Icicle's kid again. We don't see Henry this episode, who is Brainwave's kid. Um, but you have all of these other level of kids who... Could go good, could go bad. We don't know exactly what's up with them. And I think that's a really interesting place to take the show, personally. Yeah, I agree, because it's nice. We're, we're actually getting to know the Injustice Society, the adults. At the same time, we're learning, we're meeting our young Justice Society. And then we have the wild card of these kids who could go up, end up taking the place. Like, let's say, hypothetically, our new JSA beats the old Injustice Society. Then they can either fight the new uh, kid version of the Injustice Society, and that's setting up for two big battles this season. Or, conversely, the Injustice Society defeats our Justice Society, and then it's up to the kids of the Injustice Society to come to the Justice Society's aid, because maybe they're good deep down. Well, the baby's confused by all that, but I also agree that it is nice (laughs) that we're kind of seeing them, and we don't know what side they're going to kind of fall on. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fun place to set up the show. There's a lot of ways it can go, and this is certainly jumping ahead. But one of the most emotional scenes of the episode is with 
Uh, Jordan Maquette, a.k.a. Icicle, and his son having cake. Yes. Other mom, uh, wife's birthday. Uh, so sad. And the fact that, like, you can get into this awful villain's head and understand him, I think, is very neat. It's good writing. Uh, so yeah, that all the, said, ba- the fact that oh, they take yeah, the time ahead. to do that, I think, is surprising, especially with how cruel mm-hmm. these villains are, like we get in the scene that maybe you're about to talk about, where... They, these parents, Artemis's parents, Sportsmaster and Tiger, straight up murder this coach for no reason. Oh, yeah, well, well I mean, their reason was clear to them, but it's not a, a just uh, reason. It's an unjust reason. Yeah. Well, I think we also get in the Injustice Society, there's gradations of evil, right? Like Sportsmaster and Tigress clearly are dicks who just enjoy bashing yep. people and killing people. They've killed three coaches in two years, as we find but out. But they also keep their high school clean. Like, don't litter, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Gambler is just like, just enjoy stuff. He just enjoys being evil. And then you have Icicle, who we just talked about as well, who like thinks he is doing the right thing for the right reasons, but it's the wrong things for the right reasons, potentially. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we see uh, they they reveal themselves essentially as sportsmen or tigress. They're very evil, and it's very fun there. Ends with a really gross, wet thunking sound from a bat as they hit him. Uh, and then it cuts to Stargirl landing on a roof. Very classic. Again, like sneaking in. Being so quiet, oh. and Pat is right there in the bedroom. You gotta oh. love that period, Pete. Oh, that brings you back. You know, the old when you were sneaking out as a kid, sneaking back home, or when your dad pulls over your sheet and sees your Qbert trying to be your head, uh, and, you know, screams your name. You know, it's those are just fun, you know, childhood memories that I think everybody has. Did what? you say sees your Qbert being your head? Well, I used I had a stuffed animal Qbert that I thought was like the size of my head, so I had my sheet pulled uh, up to my Qbert. But uh, you know, looking back at it now, having the orange head doesn't really. But I didn't think he'd turn the lights on. You know, with the lights off, it looked like my fuzzy head. I gotta say, Pete, you used that term uh, Qbert head as if it was a high school shorthand, and I hate to tell yeah. you, but I don't think it is. Huh. I mean, to be fair, I used to do the same thing, except with a pumpkin. Uh, also, big orange head, probably a big mistake. And I'd use a full scarecrow body that I'd, I'd put in the bed as well. And then, like, getting in there with, like, the rotting pumpkin and the hay all over the place. No fun. Bad idea as well. Don't do that. Yeah, oh, I, used to, um, uh, I used to go down and have extensive auditions to find someone to play the role of me in the bed. <laughs> Cast them, oh, wow. uh, run them through, mm-hmm. really have them take on the true role of me sleeping. And wow! Put them in the bed and then go out for a fun night on the town. How much? How much would you give them for something like that? Of course, um, equity minimum. <laughs> oh, for a one night, run night performance. I'm a union man. Uh. Yeah, Yeah, Uh, I think probably what gave it away is that every two to three hours they would take a break and go downstairs to have a snack, right? Uh, Yes, (laughs) and I got to say that the tap shoes were unnecessary throughout. There was was not a a tap number in the show. 
Uh, so fun scene after that, uh, and when she comes in, Courtney is playing the what? Where does all that uh, JSA stuff come from? I don't understand what's going on. But Pat clearly mm-hmm. pissed about her stealing everything from the JSA. Um, the thing that seems to bother him more, though, is he says, "I thought we were in this together, Courtney. I really did." And I think that was a very nice moment yeah. to play because it comes down to him mostly being sad. He felt like he was making progress with his stepdaughter and he's clearly not i mean he is in their relationship but as their like crime fighting duo status he is not and so i think that was heartbreaking but it was also heartbreaking to see him take his toys and go home like he was like good thing the ring wasn't with the lantern or you'd be really in trouble and then kind of like took his sad sack of toys and went home but he's 100% right. Like, he is, uh, there's no, nothing, he's being a good father, but also teammate, where he's like, hey, you can't have a bunch of random kids be your super team. They don't know what the fuck they're yeah. doing. Yeah. And he does bring up Joey Zarek dying, which is yes. a very interesting thing. Like, they've brought it up almost every episode as this touchstone of almost, we're doing this for Joey Zarek, which is kind of fascinating because... They shared one magic trick in a hallway. So if you think about it from that perspective, it's not much of a for Joey, we're going to get justice for Joey type thing. Mm. But I do I do like it as a thing that gives it this grounding that they are kids in costumes, even if uh, Courtney kicks total ass by the end of the episode. Like she said, she's had an extra week on everybody at this point. Yeah, um, but. Uh, still, like, it, it does give it that emotional weight that it needs. Yeah, I agree. And even if they don't know him very well, I think it is still an example of, like, this kid was in the wrong place at the wrong time and crossed the Injustice Society and he was killed, which is literally what they're yeah. doing. So it, it yeah. makes sense, even though he's only just a one-trick pony. And uh, <laughs> he does get, uh, you know, sweet, sweet revenge later. With that uh, kind of sweet little Luke Wilson uh, kind of dialogue where he kind of is talking to her later on when she's frustrated with their team. It's quite nice. I don't, I don't want to back up too much, but I've always felt like a one-trick pony is even still pretty impressive. Yeah, true. I guess that's true. But what, what do you qualify a trick? Like, I feel like a one-trick pony is like running a trick, is trotting a trick. Right, like going around in a circle or something like that. Because a one-trick pony where the trick is, if a pony does a card trick, it's a fucking yeah. great pony. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Or it does the thing where, like, it pulls the tablecloth out, but all the stuff stays on the table. Oh, yeah. That's hard I mean, with cool hands. Pony. I, That's hard I with saw, hands. I saw a pony who could, uh, you know, uh, spit fire, but couldn't trot, couldn't, you know, you couldn't pat the pony. So it was really frustrating. Like, it yeah. was pretty was cool about the, the fire. Pony- but you couldn't do anything else with the pony. But that was because the pony was on fire, right? Well, it was very skittish around other people, and, you know, it kind of freaked uh. out. <laughs> um, let me ask you this, Alex. In regards to um, uh, the young Zarek not knowing enough magic tricks, what do you consider enough magic tricks that someone needs to know to be friends with them? Oh, I thought you were going to say to mourn their death. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great question. I think I loved magic as a kid, and I no used surprises. to practice my magic all the time. So I would say upwards of 10 to 15 tricks. Holy wow. shit. That's so many. You got to know a whole routine. You got to know like a tight. You can't just go over to a family gathering and be like, I'm going to do the same fucking coin thing again and again. 
you got to bring new material each time, you know? Wow. I got to say, Alex, so if you go over to a family gathering and have an hour-long magic show, that's equally inconvenient. <laughs> I'll tell you what. I did that at my uh, grandfather's funeral when we were sitting Shiva, and everybody really enjoyed it. Wow. They you, told me. Well, you wow. brought him back to life was one of your tricks, right? <laughs> the closer. Yeah, that was one of the things, which they were pretty impressed by. That, he hated it. He yeah. was a zombie. Let oh, me man, die. Grandpa Murray, I miss you. Uh, anyway, so the one thing that gets left behind after Pat takes all the stuff is the pink pen. The Thunderbolt is still there, oh, so that's that, thing. I can't wait for that. Yes. Going to happen Set, at some point. Setting that up. Uh, and Pat, of course, cleverly hides all the stuff at a place where Courtney is never going to find it in the trunk with the rest of his JSA stuff in the basement. Uh, and he smart. reads <laughs> very smart. He's very smart. Uh, reads Rex's journal, sees a pic of the yellow car and realizes he's going to do something about Rick. Uh, meanwhile, we get a little bit about Jordan. Uh, Jordan is asleep. Uh, he hears the medical beeping. He hears his wife dying in his dreams, which is so sad. Uh, and when he wakes up, she's not there in the bed. And Anaya Bowen, the principal of the school, texts him and says the gym rats are at it again. Uh, he has a little brief thing with his son, with Cameron. They clearly have a good relationship. And then we get the scene where we talked about earlier where Sportsmaster and Tigress are burying the coach in the woods. They don't really care about it. Icicle's kind of pissed. But Sportsmaster is pissed back. And he's like, listen, we've been waiting for you. We don't care about any of this. Get going on it. At which point, Jordan says, you're going to go into action tonight. Yes, Pete. Yes. Okay, so we've we've kind of skipped over something that is a huge part that plays off later in a huge way. So I'm sure you wanted to talk about it at the end. But this is the first time uh, before we, what you were talking about happens, we get a first glimpse at one of the most delicious volcanoes of all time. This happens right after this. Oh, okay. My bad. My bad. Because he's... Uh, it's okay. I would never skip the Candy Mountain, Pete. Okay. All right. Great. The Big Rock Candy Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> I know we talk about this every week, but what is going on with Mikey's storyline? Because this episode, <laughs> he builds a volcano out of candy. I don't know what you're... Barb comes to school. It's like... This is great. I don't. And by the end of the I, episode, <laughs> eating big balls of candy and watching Laurel and Hardy, I think, and that's what his plot line is. In the middle of all this, it, I agree. It's very odd, um, and it's sort of like I think. Uh, first off, why does he have like a Brooklyn accent, Mikey? All right, wait, and, wait a second. First off, the, you guys hold up. Mikey is solid gold. All right, the guy is. Comedy 101, sitcom turned up to the max. It's glorious. And, you know, in, in comedy, there's a thing called heightening. And you, know, you got to heighten from Pop-Tarts and cheese puffs to this volcanic village of chocolate death that is glorious. And you also got to heighten on the fact that Mikey started slowly eating candy as meals. Now he's eating a whole volcano village. I mean, this is... This is comedy 101, guys. I can't, I can't believe I have to explain this to you. So you think by the end of the season, he's going to be driving like a chocolate fire truck, spraying um, fucking soda pop out of the hose at, uh, at people? Is that heightening, Mr. Comedy? <laughs> yes, Pete? 
I, I he froze up. I didn't hear. What was the? What's heightening? What's the? I said, is that comedy? <laughs> oh. Is that is that heightening, Mister Comedy? Yeah. Oh, just to just to specify, we're doing this over Skype, and obviously, internet's very bad. Uh, Pete, uh, Justin was suggesting perhaps in the final episode of the season, Mikey would drive around in a chocolate fire truck that shoots out soda pop. Does that <laughs> seem reasonable to you? Set track for you, Mister Comedy. That would be that would be glorious. I, I really think it's just going to be one of those things where, like, uh, you know, the his project becomes chocolate. Then, like, his room becomes chocolate, and then, you know, like, he's driving a chocolate car. That would be a great heightening, I, I would Like, think. here's the thing. I don't even necessarily... Ha- it is, to be fair, very funny that he makes a candy volcano that sprays chocolate everywhere. It's but unbelievable. I don't, I don't understand in any way how it connects to anything else that's going on in the show, thematically or otherwise. It is what weird. It is nice about, that You remember... Up. The science fair in school, you were the one talking about how important it is we have this through line to school. Mikey's going to school. He's doing the science fair. Not the kids. Well, first of all, he's going to a different school than everybody else. (laughs) Second of all, how does it have anything to do with what's going on with Stargirl or anything like that? Like, here, it feels like it feels feels like it feels like they got money from Pop-Tarts to make the show. And then they were like, should we seamlessly integrate Pop-Tarts into the plot? Nah. Yes. yes. We'll just do it on Trey Romano's days. And literally to the point where I think it's Pat says, what are you studying, Pop-Tarts? Which is a very funny line, but again, it feels like they're in a Pop-Tarts commercial. Yeah. Now, and why I say, are you... Scientifically, I don't understand how a chocolate fa- chocolate volcano works. Like there's no mixing of the your uh, your. Uh, have you ever soda. seen a chocolate fountain? It was a, basically a chocolate fountain. Mikey chocolate made fountains are at weddings, not science fairs. You don't see a TED talk about, hey, look, I got but, this chocolate fountain to work. It's, you know, don't get mad because Mikey's breaking down <laughs> barriers. Okay, science he fairs got would be last lucky place. To have a he got last place in the science fair. Yeah, by the science fair standards, but in our world, he got first place because he's chilling with Barb, eating his face off. <laughs> you know who got first place at the science fair? The person did the broccoli volcano because <laughs> it's healthy. No. Um, I I just think that like when you have a brother and sister, sometimes when you're different grades, your worlds don't collide. I love the fact that Mikey is trying to live a normal life and isn't wrapped up in this and isn't fighting crime and like spilling chocolate on the green lantern. You know what I mean? Like I'm happy that it's separate and stop fucking up my show by wanting Mikey to be a part of the plot or whatever the fuck is going on with star girl. She's doing great. She's got, you know, Wilson there. It's fun. Don't, don't pull down Mikey in the shit. I mean, uh, since you put it that way, I kind of would love it if he got chocolate sauce and the Green Lantern and then, like, he's trying to clean it and it gets further in and then he has to use his willpower to, like, clean it up and then it breaks <laughs> apart and then he rebuilds it in Pop-Tarts and Courtney doesn't notice because they're all green Pop-Tarts. That would be fun. Maybe just make oh, that the whole hour. Yeah, oh, That brings me to my second point. Why are you mad at them for seamlessly getting Pop-Tarts money? You know what I mean? No, like they got to pay I bills. I said it was not seamless. It was the opposite. It was opposite of seamless. Of seamless. Oh, well, the new I Green Lantern, the new Green Lantern are, chance. Sorry, when you say when you say seamless, are you talking about the app that you use to order food? Because in that case, yes, it's seamless. <laughs> yeah. 
Exactly. In brightest day, in darkest hearts, would anyone enjoy a healthy Pop-Tart? I think is the, uh... <laughs> well, anyway, That's... over to Pat, who is waiting for Rick on the road. Uh, he very cheekily says, your car, car break down again. Uh, and we get this Fun. nice plot line with Pat and Rick that I think was teased very well a last episode, I guess. Um, two episodes back? I, I don't remember. Um, but he explains that he knew his real dad. Uh, and meanwhile, Yolanda... Also is watching some footage of 10 grand in action. She loves it. We get two scenes in a row of Courtney being like, hey, I'm going to take back the stuff, except she can't say it because yeah. Yolanda and Beth are just tripling down on how much they, they love, love that it. stuff. Yeah. Love it. Yolanda with the 10 grand stuff. She says, thank you for picking me, which is really sweet. Yeah. Beth, great. very sadly, is sitting in the library only talking to Charles McDonough. And she's like, please don't take my only friend. Which oh, is, yeah. Uh, but uh, Courtney can't do it. Uh, she can't go through with it. Uh, Rick, meanwhile, talks to Pat. Pat wants to do the same thing. Pat, again, acting like a big old dummy, is like, here's your dad's journal. Now give that back to me and also the hourglass. And Rick's yeah. like, no. I'm not no, you idiot. That. And also, he, then Rick <laughs> hey. is like, uh, and another thing, you fucking suck. And why are you even talking to me about any of this? You're no help at hey. all. He's just lashing out at Pat, who's clearly a father figure. You know, it makes sense. Uh, but, you know, I don't think Pat really wanted to back. He was trying to test Rick and see where he's at. It was all part of, you guys think Pat's playing it dumb, but he's really he's really smart. All right. As he's doing everything, doing the dumb play, but it's really big picture stuff that you guys can't quite grasp yet what he's doing. Oh, shit. All right, smart baby over here. <laughs> I think he's got to eat some Pop-Tarts to, like, get his blood sugar up or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so then we do get Courtney makes some moves, her big move in the episode. She sits down with Yolanda and Beth. They're so excited. They think it's for a mission, but she says no. She shuts it down, um, and they got to give her back the stuff. Uh, they say it's not up to Pat. They're not going to give the stuff back. Uh, and then, meanwhile, Rick reads the journal. None of the story makes sense. Maybe it's in code. He tries to hold the hourglass over it, which I thought was a smart move there. Uh, what, Pete? I didn't think it was a smart move. Like, what would the what would the hourglass do? Oh, okay. So Luke Wilson being like, I'm going to give you this book, now give it back to me, is a smart move. But taking the magic hourglass and putting it next to his father's journal that they can't decode is not a smart move? Exactly. This is baby logic, pure and simple. Exactly. That's what's going on here. <laughs> Peek-a-boo. 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 <laughs> um, so uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention here, actually, in the Pat Rick thing that I thought was nice uh, that they touched on is Pat very casually mentions Our Man's Addictions, which was yes. a big part yeah. of uh, the character in the comic, and I thought it was like, cool they brought up here. Um, I love the explanation for limiting the power was his idea, because if it's an yeah. hour, you don't have temptation to use it all the time. Uh, and Rick calls him out on being a star sidekick. He says, what did Starman use you for? Because as far as I can tell, you don't do anything, which is so harsh. Harsh. Yeah. That. Very harsh. And pretty for a kid uh, who then, has no idea about anything that's going on except he has magic powers. He's like, yeah, fuck you, old man. It's like, you don't know anything yeah. about this. Yeah. Calm down a little bit. It's cool. You're not Jesse Pinkman, you know? 
So then the football team gets a new... He sounded a little bit like Jesse Pinkman throughout the episode. Yeah, a little bit of this kind of voice. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, football new coach comes in, meets Artemis Croc. Uh, Sportsmaster and Tigris are watching. As we mentioned earlier, the gambler comes in and he litters, like ludicrously litters. I think throws a yeah. full bag of peanuts on the crowd. Cartoon litters. For no reason. Yeah. Yeah. That was rude. He's gambling uh, with the environment, is what he's really gambling. Yeah, with. it's not. It's not cool. And you're going to lose. Yeah. Uh, and we get set up the kind of MacGuffin for this episode. They've already got the satellite equipment. Now they just need broadcasting. Oh my gosh, broadcasting equipment <laughs> in order to use it. And also, as we find out later on, uh, they've gotten some stuff for Doctor Ito as well. Um, and uh, another nice dynamic thing that gets set up here is they're very specifically like, we're not friends. We yeah. don't like each other. We're oh, all yeah. working together. Uh, and that's like, to me, classic villain team. That's always the problem is they come together for a goal and then they start to break apart as soon as everybody sees their own goals. And I can already see that kind of happening here. Yes, especially because their lives are so different now. I also th- I thought it was funny in this moment where they're like the gambler. He's logging on. He's a super programmer. He's on the dark web. I was like, this gambler who this foghorn <laughs> leghorn motherfucker is uh, on the dark web. Yeah. Did I you feel also like they to... Oh, go ahead. I loved also the, all the screens. And one of the screens is like old timey poker. Like the I played that poker game like it was one of the first poker games ever made. Like it was like eight bit. I was like, what is that? Yeah, it felt to me like they were bringing in a little bit of the character of the calculator uh, yes. from DC Comics, slightly, who does that a little bit more, slash giving him a reason to be there beyond like, I'm Colonel Sanders and I gamble. I got a little gun that comes out of my arm. Can we move this fight to a riverboat? <laughs> and he's great. <laughs> like, I love all of them. But yeah, that didn't quite necessarily fit. Um so uh, we do get, though, the Justice Society finally coming together. Courtney chasing after Beth and Yolanda. Rick comes up. He's pissed. We get a bunch of back and forth about whether Courtney would give the staff back. She doesn't say anything. And they're like, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, yeah. Courtney defends Pat for figuring out that an equation might be a code, mm. which was kind of a weak argument a little bit. No. Uh, but. No, that wasn't a weak argument where nope. she was like, the equation nobody could figure out. Maybe it's a code. Pat, Pat figured that out. He's a smart guy. It's yeah? going gonna, gonna to pay off big, and then you'll be sorry. Pat is 45 steps behind everybody, and he has the same information everybody else does. Uh, but even yeah, McKnight everyone, else is, can- everyone else is doing science, and Pat's making some chocolate volcano on the side. <laughs> It runs in the family. Uh, so yeah, we do find out. We do find out that the gambler is hacking Empire Enterprises, and they all decide they're going to go. They don't need Pat. It's only a hacker, Courtney. What do they have to worry about? It's an easy target. Beth's super excited because she gets a costume. Uh, and then we get a quick scene. Yes, Pete. Yes, you were raising your little finger. What's going on? Yeah, you were going to say the quick scene with Mike. Where is that? Where you were going to uh, the the thing at the school? Where they show him and he's sad, you know, because all, all the parents are there and he doesn't have a parent at the fair. And then Barb shows up and it's like a real nice magical moment. 
Yeah, I didn't mention that just because we spent like 20 minutes talking about the chocolate volcano already. But yes, that is a very sweet scene. Uh, sorry, Pop-Tart Because it's part of the Mike <laughs> show, you know? It's a separate show that's going on. And some people very much like the Mike show. So I'm sorry to derail all the forward movement. But, you know, it still happened. Right. And as we always end our Mikey section with Mikey sucks. Now, we get a big <laughs> nope. fight sequence here, which I think is was really well done throughout the whole thing. Yeah, uh, the the whole thing was great. I mean, there was a lot of wire work. Um, before we get to that, though, uh, one little note that I wanted to mention that I thought was fun. Uh, we get a fun scene with Tigress and Sportsmaster saying they're going on a date night. Uh, Artemis really yeah. doesn't believe them at all. Uh, but clearly, like, we're getting that a lot of these kids are left alone. As much as the parents say they're doing it for them, they're clearly doing it for themselves and not paying attention to their kids. Also, the theater in town is playing Strange Adventures, uh, which I thought was a fun little Easter egg, uh, in case you know the DC Comics of that name. Uh, And we do get that scene we mentioned earlier with Cameron and Jordan sitting there where they're accidentally brought birthday cake. It turns out it's birthday cake uh, for uh, their mom who died. Very sad. Sad. It did look like he had a little... Frost in his breath, though, when he blew that out. I thought I thought he was going to blow out the candle. We were going to get frost breath. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, do you think his son knows? Like, I feel like his son doesn't know that he has superpowers. Yeah, I think so. I think he doesn't yeah. know. Right. Yeah, I don't. Think uh, then, Pete, we do get to the scene of them eating the hot fudge Skittles and Pop-Tarts. Oh. Do you want to mention anything about that, Pete? Yeah, I just, you know, the fact that Barb was, like, really getting into it because, you know, Barb was like, oh, I work late, you know, so uh, the fact that she was there for Mike and then that they had that time on the couch together. And uh, Mike had a great line. It's like, they taste better when they're dead. Oh, just so fun because they're covered in chocolate now because they died of chocolate lava. Did you have any problem with the fact that Skittles are disgusting? Skittles are not disgusting, and how dare you? Skittles, yeah, are, just... Skittles are disgusting, and it's also weird. You would never eat them with chocolate. Ugh. Did you have those yogurt-dipped Skittles that they were selling for a little while? Oh, those were, those were bad. Those were bad. Yeah. Ugh. No, thank you. Well, anyway. Uh, sorry so... Skittles was trying something, Zalbin. I'm sorry that Skittles <laughs> was trying to win you back. Wow. And you were like, fuck you. Pete, the candy defender, logs in to the podcast. Uh, so, yeah, JSA assembles in the costumes. Uh, they decide to go after the gambler. They go in. Gambler starts playing Timber. Very oh, fun. Oh, yeah, they, come on. Even if that song has a lot of baggage now, which it does, I think it still is a fun choice for that scene. Uh, and... Like you said, we get a lot of business that's going on here as they sneak in. Gambler hears noises. One little thing that I was a little confused about, uh, he goes off the hallway like he opens a door. There's like a cocktail tray there with a cat on it. Yeah. What was going on there? Was that for Alf or what was happening? That is just a drunken cat. You know, sometimes fat, fancy cats like fancy drinks. And so that's why that cat was drunk on that drink cart. Hmm. He's got an answer for everything. (laughs) Sure does. Uh, So, yeah, we do get to, uh, they find a dead guard. It felt very standby B to me for a moment there. Yeah, that was like, Like, you ever seen a dead body? 
<laughs> uh, and then it turns out Tigris and Sportsmaster are there. They see the JSA. Everybody splits up. Courtney's wanting them to stick together, but it just doesn't happen. And we get big fight scene, big long fight scene in a bunch of different iterations. We get Sportsmaster versus Our Man. Uh, we get, excuse me, Tigris versus uh, Wildcat. Then Courtney joins in. Also, Beth kind of joins in just with. Uh, she uses her glasses to figure out there's a fire extinguisher there. Yeah, amazing. Yes. Uh, and ultimately, they get turned around when Stripe shows up at the end, and they say, don't worry, he's with us. Funnily enough, this is the shot that was in Crisis on Infinite Earths when they flashed over to the Earth. Um, so we're finally linking up to that, which is kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, and they run off. So let's talk about this fight scene. What did you think about this? It sounds like you were a little mixed, Justin. No, I thought it was great. Um, I the, the Oh, Pete, you were mixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The CgI baseballs in the beginning were a little not well done. Um, I thought I get that was it. cool. Oh, you, you like the way it looked really fake? I just like the way they shot it where you really got like followed the baseball. It was like a di- very dynamic way of doing it. Yes. Uh, I, it was very dynamic. The problem is the baseballs looked not real at all. But, um, you know, I, I get so, it. So, sorry, you, you, th- you think that uh, they should have had an adult pegging baseballs at a child? Oh, yeah, definitely. Got the realism. You know, yeah. <laughs> this is a documentary about Stargirl and her friends. Uh, I liked it. I I liked it because Sportsmaster is like a go-to ridiculous villain that you can use. So to yeah. actually make him, even though he is ridiculous and like he's hitting explosive hockey pucks at people and things like that, that he is actually dangerous and he's capable and he's taking these people down in a big way. I thought that was very cool. It is, I, I enjoyed the way it's they goofy, that. but it, it, the way they give him the edge and the, the, like you said, the deadliness, I think that keeps us guessing. It's fun. Uh, the part where they all stopped and watched him slow motion, throw a shuttlecock was a little much for me. There were a couple of points where they were like, wait, everybody stop so we can figure out our side of the plan. But once they got past that, it was pretty much nonstop. The stuff with Our Man and Stargirl fighting Sportsmaster in particular was awesome. Yeah. Him throwing the, the car Stargirl and stuff her was catching great. it. The Stargirl stuff was great yeah. in particular. Yeah. And like, I was joking about it earlier, but her having that extra couple of missions on them, they're clearly showing that off. Like, she's practiced a little bit more than them, and it shows. Yeah. Uh, and it's fun. And I liked I liked the conclusion of it, too, that the Injustice Society ultimately wins, but the Justice Society learns, all right, that is kind of cool, and maybe we do need to all trust each other and work in this together. Yes. Yeah. We need a giant so robot. Fu- I'm glad they finally came to that conclusion. Yeah. And that scene was fun. We mentioned this earlier as well, where Pat is like, oh, it's too bad that nobody listened to you, huh? Yeah. Nobody don't, was don't trusting you, you or taking your don't lessons. Fuck you. Fuck you. That was a great, that was comedically hilarious. The way it was like, oh, it must be so frustrating. Maybe borderline annoying. She's like, yeah, yeah. And doesn't get it. And he's just sitting there. Just and putting on their costumes and going out there and doing action. Pat's Fuck got you. wow. Pat's got big substitute teacher energy, and he brought it hard in that scene. Hard, <laughs> hard. As yeah. a classically you know trained was, actor, you had to respect that. 
Yeah. He, I, the part that was a little much for me is when he turned his chair backwards, put a baseball cap on backwards and said, did you know Shakespeare was the original superhero? Yeah, that was tough. <laughs> yeah, true. That. It's fucking true, though. <laughs> uh, so they all decide to team out together And then we get a little bit of stuff With the bad guys Gambler explains they have the satellite codes And the other stuff Dr. Ito needs uh, But the big reveal is they need Brainwave In order to do their plan We also find out uh, The reason Fiddler is not an Irish guy Is this the wife of Fiddler um, It seems pretty clear That if they can't get Brainwave They're going to go after Brainwave Jr., right? Yes and I think that'll be the bridge to this next generation. And whether it's a good thing or a bad thing for our heroes, I think it's it's easy right there to see. We need the goddamn Dragon King. Well, he's coming back, definitely. Um, but uh, as we end, they want to know who the New Justice Society is. Jordan wants to find out. They say meeting adjourned and Timber once again plays over the credits. <laughs> so that's the end of the episode. Dudes, who is the star of this week's episode? Pete, we'll go to you first. I'm very curious to find out who was the star of this week's episode. I got to tell you, um, uh, first off, honorable mention to Barb and Mikey, <laughs> but the real uh, vi- uh, victory here goes to Beth. Um, wow. The stuff that she wow. did by herself uh, in the library in a way that, like, showed her excitement and not a way that was like, yes, she's sitting by herself in a library, but fuck you, she's having the time of her life and she doesn't need anybody else. You know, it was really, it was great. And she pulled that off really well. Justin, what about you, star of the episode? I got to give it up to Courtney. Um, I thought she had a great episode. Her... Um, the way she is both uh, sort of uh, we're watching all this happen through her eyes with the JSA, since they seem to be sort of collectively the star of the last couple episodes, including this one. But then she gets her time to shine at the end in the fight sequence. I thought it was great. Uh, I was going to give it to her as well, but uh, since you took her, I'm going to give it to Sportsmaster, who I just no. love. First From of all, the action, squad, but- Casey Jones. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Casey Kasem for some reason. <laughs> yeah. that's, uh, that's your favorite he, athlete, Alex. I don't know the name of the actor. I probably should have looked it up. But the way that he switches his face from shit-eating grin to total menace in a second is so good. He's good. Like, it is absolutely perfect for the character. It's fun. It's delightful to watch. Uh, great. I just, I, it is not a villain that I was looking forward to seeing. But after this episode, loved it. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We'll chat with you about Stargirl. Socially, Stargirls, Star Guys Pod, excuse me, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. Comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and more. Also, check out Pete's podcast. It's all about candy, uh, Mikey, and... Uh, uh, not liking sports. It's called Grab the Bikey. You got to check it out. He's got some great <laughs> comedy tips out there. Until next time, this is Star Guys. Uh, get your jammers on, Pete. It's bedtime. <laughs>